let's move ahead into the midday. It's the midday program on the Rural Radio Network, and we have news for you. Yes, we do, and we'll uh, look straight into the gaping maw of Nebraska football here in just a moment. But right now, we're going to look into the relatively tame world of ag headlines with Susan Littlefield. <laughs> There's nothing tame about today. It is a Monday, and at 2 o'clock, the new director of agriculture will be announced for the state of Nebraska. So we're all oh. at in Kearney at the Farm Bureau Convention, and we're all like laughing because all this is going on in Lincoln and all the journalists are in Kearney except for Bryce. So Bryce is going to cover it for us. So we'll have an update. So stay tuned not only on social media but he is going to send an interview as well to the studio so folks will be able to hear that and who's the new director of agriculture. There's a lot of talk. There were some finalists. We'll find out more though at 2 o'clock. Coming up, uh, also let you know 1219 We are going to find out more about limited perennial pastures. It is a meeting that's coming up on the Kansas-Nebraska border. So more details at 1219. At 1245, if you're not doing anything this evening, be on Twitter at 730. We're going to talk more about a event that's going to take place. It's kind of like a Twitter town hall meeting Mm -hmm. using the hashtag corn trade. And that's being brought to you by the Nebraska Corn Board. Curtis Harms and I will talk more about this and your chance to ask questions and find out more details when it comes to trade. And then Raising Nebraska received a major award. There'll be more about that at 117. Boy, I underestimated you. You had all kinds of headlines for us here. I know. You said it was a quiet Monday. It is not that. <laughs> now, the NDA director just signed a $35 million contract, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, wait, that'd be football. You're not exactly. Yeah, okay. One's well, more important than the other. Let's find out who did with Jason Jorgensen. Native son Scott Frost is back. Of course, it was rumored, speculated, and talked about for quite a while, and he's back in the fold. There is unity in Husker Nation. I'll tell you what, he couldn't have handled himself better than at that news conference yesterday. It was exactly what you'd expect from him, and uh, we'll get his thoughts if he missed any of that yesterday about his new position. Also, speaking of college football, of course, we know the four teams that will now battle it out, the college football playoff. Big Ten this time around does not get a team in the Final Four, but that's kind of how it worked out. Of course, Alabama and Ohio State were lobbying for their case for that fourth spot all weekend long, and Alabama got it. Surprise, surprise, ESPN and the TV folks would find a way to get two SEC teams in there. But I can see that either way. I can see Alabama being in there. Ohio State, you were blown out by Iowa. Yeah. So that's, that, that yeah. keeps them out of the mix. Also, some news in the NFL. New York Giants have fired their under-siege head coach, Ben McAdoo. He is gone. All right. They were 2-10, and, and uh, he made a bunch of people mad when he benched Eli Manning over the weekend. Yeah, probably not his streak. Move, yeah. but, uh, <laughs> I don't know. It's all business. In fact, speaking of business, give it to us, Bob Rogan. Stocks are a little bit higher today on Wall Street, and uh, a lot of that has to do with that uh, people feeling pretty good, I guess, about the tax overhaul bill being passed by the Senate. Other things going on, Facebook launching a messaging app for children so they can communicate with their parents. Um, Let's see, Lamborghini is unveiling a new SUV. Um, who doesn't need a SUV that goes 250 miles an hour? You guys got your order in there? All right. Yeah. All coming up for you today on Midday.
cold and getting colder. Plenty of wind out there to contend with as well. And if you are driving along in anything that's light or high profile, you're going to find that could be a little bit of a problem for you with these northwesterly winds that are gusting up to here locally 35 miles an hour easily, but expecting some gusts in parts of western and northern Nebraska up to 55 and perhaps even at times 60 mile per hour wind gusts. As that new system blows in, and we're seeing on our weather picture at this hour, some moderate to light snow that continues to move across northern uh, parts of the panhandle and over into the sand hills, sweeping with the heaviest area of precipitation right now, just about to close in on the Brownlee, Mullen, and Thedford areas in the next several minutes. And uh, what we have so far on the ground reported at Shadrid is about two inches in Dawes County. We're looking at two inches also having fallen in Harrison, Sioux County, in the western Nebraska uh, northern panhandle areas. And we have have Paul Perkins in here now, brought to you by Coleman Repair. And we are looking at uh, windy conditions today, dropping temperatures as more cold air pushes in behind this cold front. That snow and blowing snow across northern areas of Nebraska for the most part, where we do have a winter weather advisory, mainly across northern Nebraska, expecting wind gusts up to around 60 as you head towards the Panhandle. Small chance for some light rain in other areas of Nebraska to the north of I-80. Winds this afternoon expected to gust up to around 50. That's going to cause some blowing dust and elevated fire condition problems across northern Kansas. Winds and clouds will gradually decrease tonight as those temperatures start to drop below seasonal levels for this time of year. Those winds will continue to be breezy out of the northwest for tomorrow into Thursday. Our temperature is going to be cool, but actually, this is what we usually see this time of year, mainly near seasonal temperatures for this week. A weak disturbance will drop southeast Wednesday night. That could bring in a little light dusting of some snow. Otherwise, high pressure moves overhead for Friday to calm down the winds. The high will track off towards the southeast over the weekend and begin to warm our temperatures up. In our long-term forecast, Nebraska and Kansas temperatures forecast to be about seasonal to above normal this weekend through December 17th. Looks like the better chances of being warmer than normal in Nebraska and Kansas will be farther towards the west thanks to a ridge of high pressure building there. Mid-December daytime highs in central Nebraska usually average in the upper 30s with overnight lows in the mid-teens and one month again will be close to that in the long term. The Nebraska precipitation forecast starts out below normal this weekend then trends near normal precipitation early next week through the 17th so maybe a few more chances of moisture for next week. Our Kansas precipitation forecast though expecting below normal precipitation the entire time from this weekend through the 17th. Weather factors in the market include cooler weather ahead for the Midwest, a drier forecast for the central and southern plains, and limited rain for Argentina, and heavy rain sitting southeast Australia's wheat crop. Today, accumulating snow expected from the eastern Dakotas into the upper Great Lakes. Rain will sweep east across the central and eastern U.S. the next couple of days. Cool weather in the west will be replaced by the end of the week by much warmer weather from a building ridge of high pressure. Early week warmth in the eastern U.S. going to be followed by some surges of sharply colder air. Now, the rain in the Midwest early in the week causing some concerns for the eastern Midwest where harvest is not quite finished. Colder air, though, later in the week will help to firm up that ground to help out with the harvest. 
Livestock stress and transportation problems right now increasing in the northern plains with the blizzard conditions in some areas. Weak crop ratings in the southern plains are continuing to fall from the warm and dry weather. Colder weather later in the week, though, expected to put the crop into dormancy and end the moisture needs. La Nina now established, and that's going to lead to some drier weather across the southern plains. That's going to increase the danger of wildfires in Kansas and much of the southern plains. Experts are comparing this potential to that in March when more than 2,000 square miles were scorched in southwest Kansas down to the Texas Panhandle. Showers and warm temperatures in central and southern Brazil are helping out with their soybean and first crop corn development. In Argentina, dryness and heat concerns are easing towards Cordoba after rain the past week, but dryness still a concern in southern Santa Fe and northern Buenos Aires, especially with limited rain forecasts in the next 10 days. Heavy rain damaged wheat areas of southeast Australia this past weekend. The maturing wheat likely to be affected, and that's going to lead to some quality issues. Harvest progress also will most likely be halted there. Ag weather brought to you by Coleman Repair with Paul Perkins in here. And uh, we're looking at old man winter finally knocking on the door here. Yeah, it's finally like December. And a little bit more about that fire weather potential over Kansas on into Oklahoma and Texas. They had a lot of uh, vegetation grow up over the late winter months there. And now they are looking at that drying out. And, of course, that will lead to that fire danger, especially with La Nina starting to be full effect. All right. Well, hope we don't have to contend with that. But it looks like that might be in the cards as we move forward. A reminder that when you need weather anytime, you can find it. KRVN.com. Governor Ricketts is set to name the new director of agriculture. I'm Shaley Peters with a midday check of your ag news here on the Rural Radio Network. Today, Governor Pete Ricketts will introduce the new director of the Nebraska Department of Agriculture. The announcement will take place in a conference call this afternoon. The top position at the Nebraska Department of Agriculture opened when Greg Ibaugh was sworn in as Undersecretary for Marketing and Regulatory Programs at the U.S. Department of Agriculture. Stay tuned to the Rural Radio Network. We will update you as soon as the director is named. And speaking of announcements, today Pete Ricketts for Governor Campaign announced the hiring of Debbie Borg as the campaign's Agriculture Field Director. Borg goes into what exactly her responsibilities will include. I'm really excited to um, help on the uh, on the campaign, and I'm going to be heading up the farm ranch team, which will be new uh, for the campaign. But I'm really excited about that. I'll be um, recruiting county captains and just looking for support across the country. Borg says her previous experience has her excited for the new position. You know, I've been involved with Nebraska Ag for a long time, starting my. Um, volunteer service with the Nebraska Soybean Association and eventually um, ending up president of that group. And that was my uh, first step into rallying grassroots support uh, for agricultural issues. And so I just continue to be involved with agriculture and just think that it's really important for people to understand that it it really is a grassroots effort um, and the Governor Ricketts wants to uh, build on the excitement that is going on across the state of Nebraska regarding agriculture because it is the number one industry of our state. Bork says she will begin duties with this role effective immediately. 
And a new report from CoBank says 2018 could bring an increase in profit margins for grain elevators. The report cites a weak harvest basis along with low transportation rates and other issues for the prospect of improved profit margins. A CoBank researcher also says a large carryover and other huge crop have created an attractive carry in futures markets, particularly for wheat, adding that the current market conditions will provide elevators with better returns year over year if they are able to purchase the grain. U.S. ending stocks for corn and soybeans in 2018 are currently estimated to be the largest since 1987 and 2006, but stocks to use ratios remain manageable. However, the supply situation for wheat remains more burdensome, with large stocks expected to continue to weigh on the market in the coming year. The report says that because of the large supplies, localized storage shortages have developed in the western Corn Belt, especially Nebraska, Iowa, and Kansas. And finally, the power of knowledge will be in full force at the 11th annual Nebraska Power Farming Show with 15 educational seminars scheduled throughout the show. It starts tomorrow with seminars, agronomy presentation by Ag PhD, saving the family farm, farm succession planning, estate planning, investments, and insurance, lessons learned from producers, habits of confident, effective farm marketers, and agronomy presentation by Ag PhD. There are sessions scheduled for Wednesday, and sessions will conclude Thursday, December 7th. The Nebraska Power Farming Show is the second largest indoor U.S. farm show, and hours for the show are 9 a.m to 5 p.m. Tuesday and Wednesday and 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. Thursday. Admission and parking at the Lancaster Event Center is free and for additional show information and those seminars, you can visit ruralradio.com. And that's a midday check of your ag news here on a Monday afternoon. I'm Shaylee Peters and you're listening to the Rural Radio Network. The University of Nebraska is teaming up with Kansas State University to offer a cow-calf management and limited perennial pastures series this upcoming week. I'm Shaylee Peters. On the Rural Radio Network, Carla Jenkins is visiting with us today about it, cow-calf specialist from the University of Nebraska. And Carla, just go into what exactly you guys will be offering with these meetings. So it seems like every week, two or three times a week, I still get calls on... Um, confinement cow feeding, annual forages, um, just doing a better job of utilizing the, the land that we have because people want to maintain or expand cow herds and they're just not in a position to increase the land base that traditionally you would need to run these herds. And so this is a meeting series that we are doing with Kansas State along the Nebraska-Kansas border and we're going to tailor these talks as we go from east to west to try to meet the more specific needs of the producers along the border there um, as the resources change from east to west. As we all know, they do change drastically. So um, Dr. Mary Dronowski from the University of Nebraska is going to be talking about some economical forage options. She does a lot of research with cover crops and um, planting crop behind another crop and grazing that. And that sort of thing. And so she's going to talk a lot about that. And Dr. Jamalyn Farney is going to talk about, she's from Kansas State, and she's going to talk about some um, cover crop grazing things as well. I think Mary's probably going to focus a little more on utilization of residues and that kind of thing. So you're getting two uses out of that same land. The, the residue use um, that Mary's going to talk about, the cover crop things that Jamalyn is going to talk about, 
And then I'm going to talk about some options with confinement cow feeding so that maybe producers can develop a system where cows and calves are in confinement part of the year, they're using annual forages part of the year, they're using crop residue part of the year, and this need for expansive perennial pasture that we don't have can be somewhat um, shortened or eliminated. And as you mentioned, basically anyone from west to east, there are several locations you're offering these. Where are these meetings taking place, and do people need to pre-register for them? Um, so the series is going to start December 12th in Marysville, Kansas, and the extension agent there, Anastasia, is a good contact for that. That meeting starts at 6.30. The one in, De- in December 13th, the next night, will be in Blue Hill, at the community center at 6, and um, Brad Schick is the extension educator in Nebraska. He ought to be contacted for that one. And um, the Gateway Civic Center in Oberlin, Kansas, will be the one on December 14th, and um, that one will be at 6 o'clock. And Alyssa is an educator in uh, Kansas that's kind of hosting that one, and so she'd be a good contact for that one. And we're certainly going to take walk-ins, but um, it really helps us if we kind of have an idea of who we're going to have, just the numbers. So either way is fine. All right, Carla, thanks so much. It's Carla Jenkins, cow-calf specialist from the University of Nebraska, talking about the upcoming cow-calf management in limited perennial pastures series. It's happening December 12th. 13th and 14th in Kansas and Nebraska locations right along the border there. For more information on these locations and how you can get registered, times, who to talk to, all of that good stuff, visit RuralRadio.com. I'm Shaley Peters, and you're listening here to the Rural Radio Network. It's midday on the Rural Radio Network, and it's time to check sports with Jason Jordan. Hey, thanks, Derek. Well, native son Scott Frost is coming home to coach the Huskers. Of course, he was formally introduced to that big news conference yesterday, and he says the timing was right this time around to make his return to Lincoln. I wasn't considered for this job last time it came open, and I'm glad I wasn't. I didn't get a phone call last time this job was open. I'm glad I didn't. The, the pieces are in place now. I believe a lot in Bill. I believe in... In, in Hank and Ronnie, and I think this state is ready to see this place uh, return to, to what it was. And, and like I said, that doesn't mean we're going to win every football game, but I, wanna, I want this program to be something that the people of this state can get behind and be proud of, uh, that these former players can be a part of and be proud of. And we all know what goes into that, the guys that played here. Frost was passed over for the job three years ago by former athletic director Sean Eichhorst. Frost just led Central Florida to an undefeated season at a conference championship. College football playoff semifinals will include two members of the SEC. Alabama beat out Ohio State for the final berth in a field that includes top-ranked Clemson, second-ranked Oklahoma, and third-ranked Georgia. The tide also got a break when the Buckeyes of Ohio State knocked off Wisconsin in Saturday night's Big Ten championship game. Fifth seeded Nebraska volleyball team faces off against Colorado at 1 o'clock Central Time at the Lexington Regional at Kentucky's Memorial Coliseum. The other pairing in that regional has four seeded and host Kentucky battling 13 seeded BYU. Now, Saturday's regional final will start at 3 o'clock Central Time. Creighton was not as fortunate as the Huskers over the weekend as they were knocked out of the tournament at home by Michigan State. 
Well, as expected, Ben McAdoo has been fired as coach of the New York Giants, and Jerry Reese is out as general manager less than a year after taking the team to the playoffs for the first time since 2011. McAdoo and Reese were fired today, a day after the Giants were beaten in Oakland and dropped to 2-10. The move also came less than a week after the 40-year-old McAdoo made one of the biggest mistakes of his short tenure. That was mishandling the decision to bench two-time Super Bowl MVP Eli Manning. And the Division II college football playoffs will continue on this weekend with semifinal action. It will be West Florida at Indiana, Pennsylvania, and Harding will be on the road at Texas A&M Commerce. That is a check of sports. Have a great day. I'm Jason Jorgensen. Stay tuned. More Midday is just ahead. You are listening to the Rural Radio Network. Mostly clear tonight, though a chance of snow in northern Nebraska. Lows around 23 in the east and central to 19 in the west. I'm Dave Schroeder. A lawsuit says the 11 men on Nebraska's death row can't be executed because their death sentences were converted to life in prison when the death penalty was repealed in 2015. The American Civil Liberties Union of Nebraska filed the complaint early today, naming Governor Pete Ricketts and several other officials. The lawsuit seeks a court order barring the state from carrying out any executions after lawmakers abolished the death penalty they overrode Ricketts' veto. Death penalty supporters responded with a ballot petition drive partially financed by Ricketts. Voters overturned the legislature's decision and restored the punishment in November 2016. The ACLU says Ricketts overstepped the Nebraska Constitution's separation of powers clause because he funded and controlled the petition drive. A dozen states want the U.S. Supreme Court to block a California law requiring any eggs sold there to come from hens that have space to stretch out in their cages. The Missouri Attorney General says a lawsuit will be filed alleging California's law has cost consumers nationwide up to $350 million annually because of higher egg prices since it took effect in 2015. The lawsuit claims California's requirements violate the U.S. Constitution's Interstate Commerce Clause and are preempted by federal law. A federal appeals court panel rejected similar claims last year in a separate case brought by six states. The Missouri Attorney General says a new lawsuit is bolstered by an economic study. Other plaintiffs in the suit include Iowa and Nebraska. If you want your packages to arrive in time for Christmas, Brian Sperry with the U.S. Postal Service says you better be getting them in the mail soon. The deadlines for that, uh, for, for ground delivery, it's December 14th. And for first-class cards and letters, December 19th. Priority mail, the deadline is December 20th. And Priority Mail Express, that's the overnight service, the deadline for that is December 22nd. To get your packages to members of the military in Iraq and Afghanistan, you need to get them in the mail by Monday. A soy processing plant in Hutchinson was closed, costing 77 people their jobs. CHS announced Friday that the Hutchinson plant was one of three it was closing as it moves out of soybean protein production. The others were in Creston, Iowa, and its Innovation and Technology Center at Egan, Minnesota. The Hutchinson News reports eligible employees will be paid through January 30th and be eligible for severance pay and outplacement assistance. Put our app on your phone and listen to podcasts and on-demand audio on your schedule. Reporting from the KRVN News Center, I'm Dave Schroeder.
using social media to talk about trade. Good afternoon, I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. The Nebraska Corn Board is set to talk trade this evening at 7.30 via social media on Twitter. Curtis Arms is Director of Communications for the Nebraska Corn Board. He talks about more of this Twitter town hall meeting. We really do, and, and like you said, trade is such an important issue, and there's it changes every day. You know, you read things in the news that... that provide a lot of uncertainty about the future of trade and so we're really hoping to answer a lot of these questions we've got matt haybrock who's the interim director of the nebraska department of agriculture to answer questions tom slate with the u.s grains council john doggett with the national corn growers association and we actually recently added an individual from the u.s meat export federation to answer questions related to red meat production so we have a really solid lineup to answer questions about trade so how is this all going to work then um, for folks to be able to participate that's a very good question. The town hall will take place on the Nebraska Corn Board's Twitter page, and our handle is NE Corn Board, if people want to find and follow along with the conversation. And so we'll post all of the questions that we receive on our, our um, page, on our, our tweets, and then the content experts will respond to those questions. But for us to be able to see the questions that are asked, um, users will need to include the hashtag corn trade, all one word, hashtag corn trade, into their tweets so we can kind of find the questions, follow along with those, and, and get those addressed. This is a first of a kind as well for the Nebraska Corn Board. It is. This is something that we really haven't done before. Um, we've had a lot of different conversations about trade, such as at Husker Harvest Days, and we recently released a, a corn stock publication to all of the Nebraska newspapers focused on ag trade. But this is more of an interactive online um, social media town hall that we're hosting because we know that there are a lot of producers on social media and this is just a different outlet for us to reach those individuals. So we're really excited to kind of See how well and kind of the robust conversations that we have. Like I said, we haven't done something like this before, so hopefully we do get a lot of people that participate. And it's really a great opportunity to have all these experts in one spot via social media answering the questions or receiving some comments from producers of what they think is going on with trade. Well, exactly, because we've got producers all over the state of Nebraska, and we're hoping to even draw some individuals from from the Midwest, from other corn-producing states as well that will participate in the discussions. But then to have these people all together. You know, it's hard to get people all together for a meeting in person, but to have all these people virtually together and interacting with an individual from Denver with the U.S. Meat Export Federation, from Tom Slate and John Doggett, um, both in Washington, D.C., as well as Matt Haybrock in Nebraska, just to get that local perspective, I really think this will provide a robust and interesting conversation. And I think for you guys, the takeaway to really get the pulse of what rural America is thinking about trade. Well, exactly, because I, I think that, that all of us agree that trade is important um, for ag products, for our commodities, for corn, soybeans, wheat, for our um, livestock as well. Um, but there's just that, just that I, I would say, hesitation or confusion about what's the next step for trade and how does, does trade directly impact the farmer here at home. And so I'm hoping that a lot of their, their questions or confusion areas will be cleared up and I, I think it'll be a really good event and again why don't you tell us the time and obviously it's on social media so where when is it going to take place 
Yep. So on December 4th, get close to your computer, to your smartphone, to your tablet devices, and follow the Nebraska Corn Board on Twitter. Again, that handle is NE Corn Board. Or if you just do a Google search for Nebraska Corn Board Twitter, um, we should show up right away. But like I said, this is December 4th on Monday evening. This will start at 7.30 p.m. Central Time and will last one hour. So it should be a one hour of solid discussions. And if they haven't already, they should be fo- following you guys on Twitter. Absolutely. We we appreciate all the followers. That way people are able to kind of keep up with the pulse of what's going on with the Nebraska corn industry. Um, and, and again, if, if people don't have Twitter, they're always welcome to email us questions in advance that we could address during the Twitter event. And they can just go to our website, um, nebraskacorn.gov, to find that email address. Has an, out of curiosity, has other states within the corn industry, whether it's a corn board, a corn association, done something like this to find out what's happening and what the producers are thinking? I think it's still, it's still a, a relatively new idea. Um, before I, I, I hosted and, and set this up, I did reach out to other corn producing states to see if any of their communications have done something similar. Um, I think there was, was one state that has tried this before on another topic. Um, so it's, it's something that's still relatively new. I'm excited to see just the, the interactions that we get by this, through this event because this might be a, a very powerful way to reach farmers and, and producers in the future through these Twitter town halls. Again, the Twitter town hall with the Nebraska Corn Board and the folks that they'll have brought in takes place this evening from 7.30 to 8.30 p.m. You just need to follow the board on Twitter. And you can follow along on the discussion utilizing the hashtag Corn Trade. Again, that takes place this evening starting at 7.30. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. Let's get a review of the livestock futures trade today from Joe Teal at Great Plains Commodities. Joe? Yeah, it was kind of a quiet day, uh, really, in the uh, livestock. Uh, uh, we're going to have the cattle finishing uh, mostly lower, and uh, the hogs uh, mostly higher. But uh, over in the cattle, uh, started out uh, lower, rallied, and then uh, came back down, and just kind of meandered around at lower levels. Uh, cutouts were uh, sharply higher at noon, but uh, and that's where we got our rally. And then uh, things settled back down. I think uh, some anticipation that uh, uh, things might not be as aggressive from the Packers this week than it was uh, in previous weeks. So, therefore, the uh, bit of a sell-off. Uh, same for the uh, same for the. Uh, Feeders, feeders a little bit lower. Uh, auctions uh, were mixed last week, so uh, heading into this week, we'll see uh, how they perform. Uh, over in the hogs, uh, cash basically about steady. The uh, December, uh, the only one to be uh, lower. We did have a uh, triple-digit gain out of the uh, April hogs. Uh, the rest uh, moderately higher, but. Uh, uh, Cash seemed about steady. Cutouts were a little bit lower, and considering the uh, December go off on the 14th, uh, I think there was a lot of rolling of uh, long positions back to the uh, deferred months, and uh, take some of the premium, uh, which is shrinking fairly fast, out of the market. Thanks, Joe. Joe Teal can be reached at Great Plains Commodities, 800-328-0134. 
Dewey Nelson on the Rural Radio Network. Raising Nebraska, the award-winning ag literacy experience at the Nebraska State Fairgrounds has again received international recognition for its innovation in connecting consumers with their food and the families who grow it. Good afternoon on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Bryce Duskit. The Living Soils exhibit at Raising Nebraska tied for first place in its division of in the category of newly established or evolving program or exhibit that promotes agriculture to the public. That happened at the 2017 Agricultural Awards Program. Beth Janning is an extension educator based at the Raising Nebraska exhibit and joins me now as we talk about this exhibit. So, Beth, we gave a little preview of the award. Tell us more about this award and what it means to you all. Based upon the Nebraska State Fair's size of people that come through, we won first um, with being tied with another state. Um, another state fair and so we won that category so so the really cool part is that as a part of that agriculture award the or category the judges got to vote for their overall favorite award winner and the soils exhibit at raising nebraska won that so not only did we tie for our category for our size of state fair but we also won the overall judge's choice um, in the new agriculture awards so um, that is kind of exciting to be once again nationally recognized for um, a piece that is in raising nebraska so beth tell us about that exhibit it's a soil related exhibit if i understand right tell us more about that yeah so the soils exhibit um it was sponsored by the nebraska environmental trust and what it is is um, allowing for Nebraskans, youth and adults, to understand more about soil. When we think about the impact of agriculture and what soil has, um, soil is critical. And so on one side, um, we are able to show what the different monoliths are or soil profiles. So it is 40 inches underneath ground. And they take them from um, here on site, we have five different soil profiles, so they span from western Nebraska to the sand hills and where you're actually able to see the sand of why they're called the sand hills to um, south central Nebraska of the Holdred soil, which is the state soil, and then we have eastern Nebraska soil and then even um, the northern edge. And so being able to see that difference, so that that is the main exhibit, and then the other thing that has made this unique is the fact that we have taken pieces of the soil exhibit and tied them into new places. And so that also goes into the map. And if you remember the Nebraska map, um, that allows us to walk across the entire state, all 93 counties. Well, we have five uh, TV screens that we are highlighting the soil underneath them and so you can walk in you can walk onto Wayne County or Dundee County and it would go down below and be able to see what is the different different types of soil that is there and their soil names and then also to what is the water table level in those other places and so we're um, having some unique pieces as a part of this soil exhibit. And it is exciting to be recognized not only in the state, but at a higher level and across the entire nation. And of course, we will also offer our congratulations to Raising Nebraska for the reward. That was Beth Janning. She's an extension educator. I'm Bryce Duskett, and you're listening to the Rural Radio Network.
Nelson on the Rural Radio Network with John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniel's Ag Marketing in Chicago and publisher of the newsletter This Week in Grain. Can you give us a little bit of a review here of why we saw what we did today? Is this uh, buy soybean, sell corn, buy soybean, sell wheat? I think it could be that. I think uh, the, certainly the buy soybeans, that's, that looks encouraging here, especially looking at the meal. We're rallying now above $330 a metric ton, and I, I think it feels like we've got uh, you know good upside here if, if the conditions would allow. You know, this is just the start of, of what we think could be a weather rally down in South America. Um, but, you know, you have a lot of grain still for sale here shorter term, and I think that's why, you know, you come in on these Monday mornings, guys who do selling over the weekend, this is where it hits. So, you know, Monday morning got, got a good good volume of selling. Um, and, you know, closed right off its lows. It wasn't a great day. Technically, it did not look good. But, you know, setting up for a turnaround on Tuesday, I think the odds are there for it, given that uh, the news flow is starting to turn a little more positive. So, for me, I'm still a buyer of this March contract below 350. And, you know, looking at July, KC, we I think below four four. 60 to 450. I think you take a shot there. Guys I talked to down in Texas are very concerned about wheat planting, and then folks in Kansas are also nervous. Uh, you know, weather was supposed to be wet here over the shorter term, and it didn't didn't pan out. And now we're looking to dry really through the rest of uh, December. So, uh, I mean, a little more concerned here, shorter term for yield perspective on the wheat. Yeah, I think there's a chance for an upside move here anytime soon, don't you? I think so. And, again, I, I, I'm trying not to get too bullish on a rally uh, just because it feels nice to see the market go up. But, again, I'm looking at July or December corn that's still trading right now. It's not a speculative vehicle. That's trading right around the 340 level, 338, I think, was the close. We've seen good buying at that price. And I just have a hard time believing that this thing's going to really sell off uh, down below these levels given that delivery's behind us. And, I mean, the bin doors are kind of going shut here. Um, yes, there's a lot of corn around. Yes, there are piles of it out that way. So maybe I don't look for the basis to improve. But you get a problem down in Argentina or Brazil. The, the story will change. You know, 10% drop in yields, which isn't much, is going to create a concern on the global market. And even with corn piles everywhere, I think there's some upside here, given that the board is really short. Can you also add Australia weather into this picture? Absolutely. And again, I mean, the La Nina factor down in South America is something to pay attention to. For me, it's not so much about dryness. It's about heat. And that's where I would say, if you're looking at forecasts down in, down in the you know, southern part of Brazil, northern part of Argentina, look at those temperatures. If we heat up to 100 degrees or the equivalent in Celsius, I think, uh, I think you're going to see the market move. Thanks, John. John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniel Zag Marketing in Chicago and publisher of the newsletter This Week in Grain. Want to talk more? Go to danielzagmarketing.com. For John Payne in Chicago, I'm Dewey Nelson.